You are listening to a podcast from Influence Church. We hope it encourages and empowers you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Enjoy the message. service. How are we doing? We doing good? We've made it to the 1st of October. How? It's crazy. So generally that means that uh, as a creative team of church, we're already several months behind planning for Christmas uh, and stuff. But uh, we're super excited. We're going to start planning that now. We're gearing up to Christmas. It's okay to talk about Christmas, I think. Now, usually I, usually you have to wait to the last firework of uh, bonfire night. Then you can discuss Christmas. Uh, but we're, it's, it's, I reckon it's okay. You know, the shops, are, the shops are full of it at the moment and stuff. There's, there's a shop in Richmond where you walk past the seasonal gardening stuff. Halloween and you're straight into Christmas. It's kind of like, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I can walk in and I'm suddenly I'm a schizophrenic. I'm like, I'm a, what am I doing? Who do I wear? And stuff. I only went, I can't even remember what I went in for sandpaper and I've come out with a, uh, a dancing reindeer and, a, uh, uh, and everything else. But, but, but it's so easy to get distracted, isn't it? I just got distracted just then thinking of going into a shop in Richmond. That wasn't on my notes. But have you ever been so distracted that um, you, you, were pulled, you were pulled out of your distraction by an angry Scottish man? You have? Good going. So uh, this happened to me. Um, so I was 10, 11 years old. And as year six in our primary school, uh, I don't know if they still do it or not, but the year sixes go off for a week. And like I think now it's kind of like... Um, Marriott Priory and do different things like that. There was, a, there was a place growing up when I was a kid called Boggle Hole. I have no idea where that is. Uh, we didn't get a chance to go to Boggle Hole. I don't think I wanted to anyway, because I heard that's the kind of place which, where people would never come back from. Uh, but we had the chance to go to Edinburgh. So we went to Edinburgh and it was great. We did the city, we did tours, we went and we were youth hostels. And one day as we were walking to the next, uh, next thing we were doing, I was just talking to my friend. Uh, let's see, his name was Stuart, uh, he was also ginger, you know, got to represent. Um, and that, but we were talking about the classic things of early 90s. We were talking who would win in a fight, Hulk Hogan or the Ultimate Warrior, those kind of things. And we were having such an in-depth discussion, I didn't see the lamppost coming towards me that it hit me full square in the head, fell on the floor. I don't know how long I was out on the ground for, but when I came round, hey, you all right? <laughs> I can't do the accent. I'm sorry, any Scottish people in the room, really sorry. And that, but there's nothing quite gets you back focused than an angry Scottish man asking if you were okay. Uh, and I just at that moment, I was like, I was so distracted about who would win, Hulk Hogan or the Ultimate Warrior. Everyone knows it would be the Hulk Hogan. Uh, and so if I don't care what anyone else says, uh, we can... We, we can't even have a conversation about that anymore because they don't wrestle. Uh, and that, but I was so distracted that I didn't see the metal thing coming towards me and get knocked out. Now... We're coming towards Christmas and we're coming towards just um, the end of the year. And, and my heart is this, is this, and my preacher's aim today is that looking at how do we stay the course? How do we stay focused on God and not, as it says in our Bible, look to the right or to the left? And I want to look at today, how do we do that? You know, because life just constantly tries to throw us curveballs and it just generally happens. And we have to navigate those storms 
but with God in the boat. We have to navigate that and what life is bringing, but with that reminder of there's an eternal promise from God that he's in it all. So how do we navigate the distractions, but ultimately focus on God? And I want to look at that today. I want to look it through uh, using a king from the Old Testament. You know, it's incredible, you know, if you thought the chosen program that you watch is good of Jesus and the disciples, imagine what the Old Testament would be like. It's incredible stories. And I want to look at the king. Um, you can find him in 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles, a king who was so focused on God. And at a time when no one else was, he ultimately brought change to his nation. And that is King Josiah. King Josiah is just phenomenal. But before he enters on the scene, let's quickly talk about Israel, his nation. They are in such a sorry state where we find them in two kings. You know, they've forgotten about God. They've forgotten how God brought them out of Egypt into this new promised land, how he was the, their miracle worker through the uh, wilderness, how he, he fed them, how, how they, there was none of their clothes or their shoes would fail whilst they were out in the 40 years of, or however long it was with the, the wilderness. They forgot about what he had done. And in trying to find enlightenment and in trying to find different things, what they started to do was they started, if I can do this properly, oh, I know what I want to buy with the vision offering. I'll come like a rotating roundabout. That'd be brilliant. Uh, and stuff is that they, they started putting up, oh, sorry for the, the handwriting. Uh, they started erecting altars and idols and shrines to different gods. In God's temple, they were putting up statues to, to the gods of Baal or God of Baal or poles to, to honor and worship a, a false god of uh, Asherah. And they've completely forgotten. They were doing detestable things in God's house, thinking that. That's how they would find enlightenment. This is how they would find who they were. They were in a sorry state. Then Josiah comes onto the scene. And Josiah, he's phenomenal. Again, if, if the story of the kings in the Old Testament was a, was a TV show, I wouldn't know what, when to put it on TV or what rating it would be because, because the kings, it, there was always so many much backstabbing and this king got killed by it so that this person could be the king and then this person could be the king. And then we find Josiah. He becomes king because his father gets assassinated. And the people put him in place. So what I want to do is through the life of Josiah, I want to parallel his life with us, with our lives, and look at how do we navigate our life and stay focused on God when there's so many different distractions around us. Is that again, I want to take just some key points from his life, different life stages that we see of him and how they interlocked with us. And the first, the first life stage that we find for Josiah... Life stage one is at eight years old, he becomes king. Incredible. At eight years old, he becomes king. But it doesn't say just that. It says this in 2 Chronicles 34. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned to Jerusalem for 31 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Incredible. They're eight years old, and then for the rest of his time reigning, he knew to be focused on God. He said that he followed the father David, his like forefathers of his generation, of, of his lineage, of how he followed God, how David did. He didn't turn to the right or to the left. But he was eight years old when he became king. My son's nine, and I would not let him be king. <laughs> no school more chocolate, 
more time for Lego, you know, some of the policies that he would try and get through as the king were maybe great at the time, but were ultimately bankrupt us even more uh, and stuff. But Josiah, when he was eight, what I love is that when we look at this lesson in life, we learn that God can and will use anybody whose hearts and faith are filled. It's incredible. He will use us no matter what. If our hearts are open, if our heart is filled full of faith. Throughout scripture, we see time and time again of God using people that if it came to us choosing our team, we wouldn't use them. We look at people of like just throughout history and you'd be like, why did Jesus use that person? Why did God choose that person? Why did Jesus choose him for a disciple? But more and more you think about it, I believe God chose them to again validate the power of God. That they validate the power of God in people's lives. He didn't just use the rich and the popular. He used the poor, he used the broken. He He used the faithful. Here's just a very quick list. Abraham, he was old. Elijah was suicidal. Joseph was abused. Job went bankrupt. Moses had a speech problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. The Samaritan woman was divorced. Noah was a drunk. Jeremiah was young. Jacob was a cheater. David was a murderer. Jonah was ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Peter denied Christ three times. Martha worried about everything. Zacchaeus was small. And money hungry. And money hungry. Uh, The disciples fell asleep whilst praying. And Paul, a Pharisee who persecuted Christians before coming one. And Josiah was a kid. He'll use anybody. And I love that. It doesn't matter what has gone before in my life. When I ask God for forgiveness, when he comes into my life, when I have a relationship with him, when my heart is full and I pursue him and ask him, he will use me. And it's the same for us all. He will use us. I love that Jesus doesn't just call those who have got it all together. He doesn't call those who are the most elegant speakers or the best with people. He, he calls people who are full of faith, who have faith. And maybe, maybe not necessarily full of faith, but just enough faith for today. And then another more faith for the next day. Then a little more faith for the next day. And then he equips them whilst he goes with them, he equips them whilst he calls them on his journey. Life lesson one with, with Josiah, you're never too young, you're never too old, God will use us. And then we get to life stage two, my favorite part of Josiah's life. At age 16, he says that he starts seeking God. So he, he's doing everything and, and following God from eight, from who knows even before he was eight years old, there's a testimony to the Hero Factory, you know. Uh, it doesn't matter how old you are, God can still use you, whether how old you are and stuff. At 16, he seeks God, and at 20, wow. At 20 is what I want to call his Josiah moment. Something happens in him, and I don't know if he flips uh, in a good way uh, or not, but he brings about change in a nation. He starts to bring his nation back. Now, I'm going to read what he does next from the message version. It's incredible what he does. But I'm going to need a volunteer. I've asked Ashton, do you want to come and help me? So Ashton is going to play. You're going to play the part of Josiah. Okay. And just to help you, you're going to need... You're going to need this. So what's going to happen is, as I read this Bible verse... Ashton's going to play Josiah, 
And he's going to basically, as I direct the words, you're going to take out frustrations. Imagine that on a sister's face, brother, I don't know, whatever you want. I'm trying to get him in the, you just say it. And then when it comes to it, I want you just to batter it, okay? These are shrines. These are, these, these are going against what God wants, yeah? Yeah, you ready for this? So I'm just going to stand over here whilst I read. Just when I start reading, when you hear some of like the bigger words, like wrecked, those kind of things, then go mad. All right? So I don't know if you want to ease yourself into it. So here is it says, 2 Chronicles 34 from verse 3. It should come up on screen. It says this. When he had been king for eight years and he was only a teenager, he began to seek God. Uh, God of David, his ancestors. Four years later, 12th year of his reign, he started to cleanse the neighborhood. <laughs> Woo! Just so you know, he got a, a few more verses to go. So, uh, uh, the neighborhood of shrines, he got rid of the sacred Asherah groves, the gods and goddess figurines within carved and cast from Judea. Next. He wrecked the Baal shrines, tore down the altars connected with them, and scattered the debris and ashes over the graves of those who had worshipped at them. He burnt the bones of the priest uh, on the same altar he, he used, uh, they used when they were alive. He scrubbed the place clean, Judah and Jerusalem clean inside and out. Incredible. Well, you have another go if you want. Do you want, do you want another one? Do you want another go? There we go. Awesome. You can take a seat. Thanks. I'll take that. Thanks, mate. So Josiah has this moment. Ashton has this moment of realization that his country is not where it should be. His country isn't how it should be living. And he does something about it. He starts to take back his country. He actively goes around making change. You know, if I was king walking around with a baseball bat, you know, it'd just be weird. And if anyone's taking pictures now, again, that is really weird. What, what was Richard preaching? He's like, dude. Some people here need to volunteer. Uh, and that, but he went around his country, bringing about change. It's, I love those words that he uses, cleanse, wreck, get rid of, burn, scrub the altars. He burnt down the things that was causing his nation not to follow Jesus. Josiah knew what had to happen. He knew it would take a lot more than just kind of turning his head away from it from just kind of, if I, if I don't see it, then it's not happening. You know, if, if I don't see it, then I know it's not there. He knew he had to do something physical, something, something so big to help bring his nation back to God. Two life lessons I find in this moment of his life is this. He removed everything. He removed the things in life that caused him to stumble. Let's reword that. Remove the things in your life that are causing you to stumble. I need to remove things in my life that are causing me to stumble. Not just stumble, what in my, things in my life are causing there to be a blockage between me and God. Then I need to do something about it. I need to do something about it. I need to get my spiritual baseball bat, which is usually found in Pete's office. <laughs> Take a, I don't know how he deals his decent discipline in uh, Elevate, but... It's working from what I understand. Uh, and that. 
But what is causing you to stumble? In Matthew 5, Jesus' words are quite extreme, but he says this, if your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. Again, a bit extreme. But what he's saying is if something is not dealt with, if something is not sorted out, if something is not fixed, it's going to affect, if left unchecked, it will destroy us all. Where's your stumbling block today? Where's your stumbling? You know, some things, some things in our life, I preached, when I was preaching this, you know, I felt like it was going to be good, it's going to have a high points, it's going to be low points, it's going to be awkward points, there's going to be points where you're like, ooh, that hurts a bit, and stuff, but what are causing you to stumble? But you see, some things you can't just ignore. Some things, you know, you can't just even use a bat to get rid of. You need to go a bit more extreme. You need an axe. You need an axe. You need to kill some stuff dead. Some things, you know, uh, it's all right. Excuse me. 1993, I got my Royal Ranger Chop and Cook badge. Okay? That means I can use this. Maybe not with a microphone and one-handed, but it, but it means I can start a fire and carry a penknife and scissors uh, and tie a knot. Uh, and that. But you need stuff in your life that's potentially you need to kill dead. Kill dead. A relationship. A phone number. Thoughts. Thinking. Need to kill dead. First part in this life was they removed the things that would cause him to stumble. The second thing is this that you read. He didn't just destroy what was visible. He burned what was buried. If you look at the scripture again, he says that he, find, he found the graves of the old pagan priests. Again, if this was a TV program, what? And so he finds the graves of the old pagan priests and he burns their bodies. They're dead. They're not doing anything. But he knew he had to bring his country back in focus with God. You know, there's some things hidden that you need to burn. There's some things that you need to destroy. I've made a mess. You need, you need to destroy. Some things in our lives that we can't just allow anymore to go unchecked. But if we want to be focused, this is as Josiah, he did how his father David did and didn't turn to the right or left. It was focused, God, we need to remove some of these stumbling blocks in our lives. At the end of that, end of that passage, at the end of that scripture, it says this. With Israel once more intact, he returned to Jerusalem. How long do you think that took him to do? Was it just him? Was it him and his armies? We, we don't know. Was it, did he, was it full national rollout? But he did not stop until all of Jerusalem was back intact. Don't stop. Don't stop. Allow God to speak to you today. Allow God to, to give you a moment of clarity that's going to help you go, yeah, that's, that's not right. Oh, yeah, there's that thing. Oh, yeah, maybe there's, there's that person. Life stage three. 
One is, uh, life stage one, he's eight, he becomes king. Life stage two is 16 and 20 is where he starts having a bit of fun and, 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 and bringing his nation back to God. In 20, uh, life stage three, we find King Josiah, 28 years old. At 28 years old, we find him here. He, he is in the temple or he's rebuilding the temple. And whilst he's rebuilding the temple and we read that as he's paying the repairers for materials and everything, the repairers bring him this book that they find in the temple. And in this book, they, they realize it's the law. It's God's word. God's word handed down from Moses that had been lost for who knows how long. Because there was just the chronological, chron- the long list of bad kings that got to this point. They'd forgotten about the law. So they bring this book to, to Josiah. I love it. It says this in verse 19. When he'd heard the words of the law, he tore his robes. It wasn't after he read it cover to cover. It wasn't after he had read it and meditated on it and studied it and got a few commentaries and discussed it with people. The, le- the lesson I learned from this is one moment in the Bible changed his life forever. One moment in the word of God changed his nation. One moment in the word of God caused a revival in his nation. Because we saw the words, he realized what he had, his nation hadn't been doing. He wept, tore his clothes, then he brought about a national change. He brought about a reformation, a reform to his nation. So what about us? Let's allow the words and promises of the Bible to, to really affect us. You know, we read it, but do we read it? We study it, but do we read it? Do we allow the words that are living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword to really penetrate our life, our soul? In the Bible, we find so many different promises of who God is and what God has done. God gives promises to strengthen us. Ephesians 3, that according to his riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. He promises to take care of us, Philippians 4 verse 19. He promises to answer our prayers, Matthew 7 verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. God promises to be with you. God promises to be with you. Joshua 1. I will not fail you or abandon you. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And finally, just as the band want to come up, God promises to protect you. In the Bible, it says, allow these verses to, uh, just, to, just to penetrate your heart. He promises to protect you. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. Josiah had a moment and that moment changed everything for him. In a moment, he brought about change for his nation. In a moment with the Bible, he brought about revival again. In a moment, whether it was just in prayer or whatever it was, in that moment, he knew that he needed to bring about the stu- get rid of the stumbling blocks that was going to cause him and God and his nation from f- fully being in line with God again. In a moment. So my question is simply this. Do you have a moment? Do you have a moment? 
My prayer today is that we'd have a moment of clarity where we recognize the demands that need to be done and then have the guts and the faith to do something about it. For us to go out today and be like, I am all in for God. I am, I am going to fix my face on him. I'm going to look up. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus' face like flint and I'm not going to turn to the right, I'm not going to turn to the left. In this clarity of moment, I'm going to allow God to speak. Our win is that we would all have a Josiah moment in our lives this week and do what we must to clean house, do what we must to clean our, our lives. A Josiah moment is where your fear of the Lord outweighs your fear of what other people would think. Your Josiah moment is, is where your love for Jesus outweighs your love for the world. Your Josiah moment is where you allow the Bible to speak in and through you. Your Josiah moment is to, is to have faith for things that you have kept up at night thinking about. That Josiah moment is to remove the stumbling block, whether physically, mentally, spiritually, whatever you need to have that moment and realignment with Jesus today. And have the guts to do something about it. Lessons we learn also from, from this moment of his life. The final one is that repentance led to reformation. His repentance led to this nation having revival. It was repentance that led to an entire nation changing. God consistently responds to those who repent and humble hearts. Who repent and have humble hearts. So do you have a moment today? Do you have a moment for God? Some of you are like, yeah, I'm in church, aren't I? This is a moment, this is a big moment. It's a big moment in my week. But do you have a moment properly just to kind of stop? Clear your head of, what am I going to have for lunch? Did I turn my hair straighteners off? I, I never have that issue, thankfully. Not anymore. You only ever learn once, don't you? Um, and stuff. Uh, and that. But do you have a moment? Do you have a moment to just go, God, I had a moment this morning at 10 to 6 on the sofa. I'd read my Bible, started, I, just, I knew I was preaching. I just, that's, all I could do at that moment was just stop. And I found myself, just my eyes closed, hands out. I really felt this peace come into my living room. Because I was like, God, I need you today. I knew what was happening. I knew what I was doing. I knew what I was preaching. I knew what was happening. I was like, God, I need this moment right now of just clear clarity for you to come and move. So across this place, just for a couple of moments, you want to close your eyes. We want to give God a moment. We want to allow a moment for God to move. God, we pray now for, or I pray now, Lord God, for everyone here in this room. Everyone that can hear my voice. We pray also, Lord God, for Hero Factory and everyone involved there, Lord Jesus, that we will have a moment with you. A moment of clarity, a moment of surrender, a moment of forgiveness, a moment where you give us just clarity of the, the steps that we need to take, how to move forward.
how to be focused in a world that's constantly trying to change our focus or remove our focus or get us to look to the left and the right and take our eyes off you. I pray for those with stumbling blocks that they know of, Lord God, that will have the guts to do something about it. In faith and through you, Lord God, that you will be there in their lives. That we would all have Josiah moments where we can uh, take down and wreck and demolish those things that are standing in between the way of us and you. So God, we pray we'll give you this moment right now, God. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Influence Church. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Influence Church, empowering you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God.